What is going on, OWS fam, DFS fam, YouTube fam, podcast fam? Welcome to our second week eight edition of the DFS Lab. I am your host, JM to win. Joining me in a moment will be Keegan, KTM128. We will be building on a DraftKings roster, giving us a chance to talk through DFS roster construction strategy theory, but also talk through some of the core components of this week eight slate. With that, let's go ahead and get started. One week season. All right, Keegan, we're back. We uh, recorded yesterday, Thursday. Um, it is Friday for us, probably Saturday for most of you as you watch this or listen to this. Um, kind of an interesting week. We uh, One of the things we didn't talk about yesterday was Brock Purdy likely being out, Sam Darnold, 4,300. Um, and you've got kind of the quarterbacks at the top. You've got some kind of mid-range quarterbacks that are going overlooked because you have quarterbacks at the top and a quarterback down at the bottom. Uh, a lot of viable running backs, some probable bad running back chalk as well as good running back chalk. Um, lots of viable wide receivers. I created my player pool this morning for the player grid. My wide receiver list was pretty expansive. That, that means a lot of guys who will go overlooked. Um, so, yeah, just a really interesting week. Any any kind of additional thoughts on this week? Um, not any thoughts, but, like, questions. So, since Brock Purdy's out, is that a game you're going to be targeting more or less? The same, I guess. The same. I've, I probably wouldn't have played much Brock Purdy. And so, in one sense – that should inform there's two ways to look at it. One way is to look at it. Like you're trying to get tournament winning scores. So if I wasn't planning to play Brock Purdy, then I wasn't seeing him as one of the clearest pathways to a tournament winning score. So then yes, Sam Darnold is cheap. He's like what a 13, 1400 cheaper than Brock Purdy. But even if you get that same score, it's like, it's not a tournament winning score. So that's one way to look at it is if you're using a roster spot on Sam Darnold, then that's a roster spot that you're not using on Patrick Mahomes or Jalen Hurts or even like Derek Carr or Sam Howell. One of those guys could go for 25 points this week. Desmond Ritter could go for 25 points this week. Mac Jones could go for 25 points this week. Uh, so that's a roster spot you're not using on those guys. At the same time, 49ers quarterback can go for 20 plus points. So it's not like you're just drawing dead to a big score. It's not like you're just taking a, the, the guy who's stepping in just because he's cheap and he's going to get you like 12 to 16 points and free up salary. Furthermore, from like a roster construction standpoint, Darnold is so cheap that if you play Darnold, think of it as like if you're playing Curtis Samuel at wide receiver so that you can fit in Jalen Hurts or Patrick Mahomes. Flip that around and now you're playing Sam Darnold at basically the same price tag so that you can fit in A.J. Brown or Jamar Chase or Christian McCaffrey, whatever it is. So, uh, yeah, from that standpoint, like Darnold gets you 16, 17, 18 points. He probably outscores most of the 4K, like low 4K wide receivers. And then if the if the high-priced guys, the Pollards or the CMCs, the Chases, the Tyreeks, the A.J. Browns, whoever you're paying up for, if they outscore the high-priced quarterbacks, it actually ends up working out in your favor. So, yeah, he's cheap enough in a – great enough offense where it's a unique situation in, I'm, and I'm kind of like working through my thoughts out loud as I'm saying this, you know, but yeah. um, unique situation in that that 49ers quarterback position is very much like a point guard where we talked yesterday about how you can't sack 
C.J. Stroud this season, even though the Texans offensive line isn't that good, just because the design is so good that there's always guys open. There's always things working in favor of the quarterback. Uh, Nico Collins and Tank Dell are both top 15, top 16 in the NFL in yards per route run, which is one of the most predictive advanced metrics. And that's a, a function of how well designed that offense is. Again, Bobby Slowick coming over from the 49ers, spent a lot of time working with Kyle Shanahan. And so the 49ers offense is the same way. Lots of positive reports about Sam Darnold in training camp. And he looked pretty good last year. So realistically, yeah, like Sam Darnold should. It's interesting because there's all this discussion of like, is Sam, is Brock Purdy actually elite or is it just a function of the offense? And everyone's like, no, no, Brock Purdy really is good. But then we're going to plug Sam Darnold in and everyone's like, yeah, but Sam Darnold can put up the same fantasy score as Brock Purdy. So, yeah, uh, yeah I think it's an interesting setup. I think that the – one of the things that stood out to me this morning, looking at ownership projections for the first time, and obviously Friday ownership projections, lots of time for things to change, but uh, George Kittle's coming in at like 5% owned. And uh, even Chris McCaffrey's not super high owned. Brandon Ayuk's coming in with lower ownership. So Darnold will be somewhat popular, but like, I, I don't know what that looks like, right? Like if Darnold's 10% owned, but Kittle's only 5%, that doesn't make a lot of sense because there's going to be some Kittle rosters without Sam Darnold. So you're like, why are you people playing Darnold and not stacking with George Kittle with no Debo, you know? So yeah. uh, I think there's some ways to get unique with that one as well, whether it's Darnold plus CMC, Darnold plus Kittle, Darnold plus Ayuk. So yeah, that's kind of the breakdown, I guess, on, on my end. Okay, so like kind of, um, I guess, one way I'm understanding it, and you could probably play it other ways, but like uh, maybe a, like a higher tournament type of build to where you're saying – He's going to be a cheaper guy you're going to use to obviously pay up. And the guys you're going to pay up for are like, aren't going to maybe correlate with said game. So you're like branching out your range of outcomes, but you're also saying that like these more expensive guys are going to get the points. Like they're going to pay for their salary with those points. Yeah. So, and it's not that you can't correlate, right? I mean, because you can play Jamar Chase in that same yeah. game or you can play Christian McCaffrey with like use the Darnold savings to get Christian McCaffrey, Christian McCaffrey catches so many passes, catches so many touchdown passes that that still correlates nicely. But the the broader structure you're thinking about in in my mind is what do you give up if you take Sam Darnold? Not what not just what do you gain, but what do you give up? Will you give up the roster spot that could be going to the 35 point quarterback? So you flip that around though. Again, like a, what I was saying is like Darnold's so cheap that it's like okay. Mahomes, you're going to need a cheap wide receiver to fit in Mahomes. Hurts going to need a cheap wide receiver to fit in Hurts. So you add Mahomes score plus your cheap wide receiver, Hurts plus your cheap wide receiver, or flip that around and add Darnold plus your expensive wide receiver. Like you probably still come out a little bit ahead more often than not with the Darnold play. So yeah, it's there's like obviously the in-game correlation stuff, but then also just the roster structure that it creates is positive. And one of the cool things, you know, Darnold's going to be popular. I would estimate he's coming in at 10% ownership projections and it's probably one of those that he comes in a little bit above that realistically and then in high dollar tournaments for anybody watching this place high dollar tournaments or single entry tournaments he's going to be even higher owned than that like it wouldn't surprise me if he's 17 percent owned in the 1500 single entry contest because uh basically like sharp players will see the sharp things that a sam darnold roster opens up and so you know you'll see higher ownership in a contest like that is kind of the way that I see Darnold this week. Um, and so, but at the same time, he's at a onesie position. So everybody can only roster one quarterback, which means that the ownership never gets so far out of whack. 
um, you know, like a, like Raheem Mostert was 50 to 70% owned a couple weeks ago. Like the highest that Sam Darnold can get is like that 15 to 20% range because there's still enough other attractive quarterbacks on the slate. So the, the ownership doesn't become prohibitive. And so even though it'll feel like, oh, wow, so many people have Sam Darnold, it's still like, you know, 20% of most tournaments pay out money and it's still going to be probably less than 20% that has Darnold. So um, if he ends up being like the nut way to go, then that's a, uh, a poker term for any of you uh, new to the word, the nuts. Um, if any, if he ends up being the nut way to go, then uh, yeah, it's like you're still not competing against a large chunk of the field. With that said, there's a lot of other viable quarterbacks on this slate as well. Yeah. One, one last thing and then we can get off this topic. Um, realistically, what's like a, a, a good um, tournament winning outcome, like point wise. Do you From think? Darnold? Yeah. If he gets the, 15 to 18 points that that Purdy typically gets, then that's pretty solid. Because again, comparing it to like what you would, could get, and obviously there's different constructions. You could go with like a strict mid-priced salary, right? But in terms of just the salary that he costs, if we take the positions off, if we take the name tags off, and it's just like, what are you getting for the salary spent? Well, at 4,300 guy, like we talked about Pierre Strong yesterday. Pierre Strong's probably not getting 16 DraftKings points at the same price tag as Darnold. Um, some of these wide receivers, Elijah Moore, Curtis Samuel. Curtis Samuel has like an 18-pointer and a 14-pointer. And it's like, oh, he's a really nice salary saver down here. Uh, Elijah Moore, all these like six to 10-point games, but you're like, oh, the targets are there and, and he could have a nice game. So yeah, in terms of like what you can get for that salary elsewhere and the fact that you'll typically have to pay down in that price range somewhere on your roster – like even if he gets you 15 to 16 points, that ends up being a pretty nice score. And again, he's capable of getting you 18, 20, 22, even, I mean, he could get you a 25, 27 point score in this offense with these weapons. Um, and it's interesting, right? Some of it kind of comes down to that game environment too, but there's a chance that the 49ers uh, or that the Bengals are able to move the ball coming out of the bye, that they're able to move the ball through the air against, um, against 49ers. You know, an interesting way to build a Darnold roster would be to, uh, instead of bringing it back with Jamar Chase, bring it back with T Higgins, who's 5,900 and, and is coming in with like sub 3% ownership projections. Um, this is a guy who's scored, you know, going over the last two years, he's scored 26 plus DraftKings points in 25% of his games. Um, so, you know, in terms of like the ceiling that he has, the reason why, he's not drawing attention is because he's had this slow start to the season, but it was like, he had a huge, I think it was a huge week two. Every, everybody on the Bengals did bad in week one. He had a huge week two. He got hurt in week three. He missed week four. He played limited snaps in week five. I think that's the, um, the breakdown of it. Uh, and then like had a poor week six, well, whatever the case is like he had one game where he got hurt, one game he missed one game where he played limited snaps. So it's really drawing down his, um, we can actually even pull it up on the screen if you want to, but it's really drawing down his like averages and the way people are seeing him. So yeah, it was week two was the big game. Week three was the down game. Week four, he got hurt. Week five, he ended up missing that game. And week six, he played limited snaps. So you look at weeks, what you look at, when you, if you're just looking at this out of context, is you're like, oh man, T Higgins doesn't have the same role anymore. He doesn't score the same way anymore. Like three straight bad games, but it was actually one bad game. And then a game where he got hurt and a game where he played limited snaps. So um, still a guy who's going to get you double digit points most of the time. And uh, I think it was, I had the note somewhere, but it was like something like 22 of his last 28 games heading into the season, he'd gotten you double digit points. So 
Um, you know, he's going to get you double digit points most of the time. And, you know, he's going to hit that like well over four X uh, salary multiplier 25% of the time, which is, which is really nice. Yeah. Um, one, like one, one thing I have, I'm curious about. So you're saying like 17 to 18 points about Sam Darnold, but maybe because he like, here's, here's my thought process because he's a, a one position, like you can only, you know, draft one quarterback. Should the points maybe be higher for you to like realistically win a tournament, almost maybe like 24, 25 points. So, yeah, I get, I get what you're saying. The, what I was kind of breaking down is like, what's the minimum viable points. Right. Mm -hmm. And so ultimately one of the things with quarterback is, and why you would typically, you see a lot of sharp people who pay up at quarterback relatively frequently. And it's because it's a more consistent high scoring position. So last year, Patrick Mahomes topped 30 points and I think it was nine out of 17 games. Josh Allen topped 30 points in eight out of 17 games. So that matches up with like Cooper Cup. That matches up with Justin Jefferson. And then when these guys miss, like when Justin Jefferson would miss last year, he would get 14, 15, 16 points. When Mahomes or Josh Allen miss, they're still getting 20, 21, 22, 23 points. So quarterback, like you pay 8K for a Mahomes or Josh Allen last year versus 9K for Justin Jefferson, and you're getting the same scores. And when they miss, they're getting higher scores, right? So there is a lot of value in paying up at quarterback. At the same time, we're thinking about like where we allocate our salary and where we pile up points. So that that idea of like, well, you're happy if you get like if you if you get 16 points from Curtis Samuel, like you paid out for Curtis Samuel, you're pretty thrilled that you got 16 points. And realistically, if you're going to pay up for one of the quarterbacks, you have to find one of these cheap guys to pay down for. And most of them, like they're going to get you eight points or nine points. And you're pretty happy if you get 15, 16. So the fact that Darnold like should get you 14, 15, 16, just like off the bat as his floor, and then can get you that 30 pointer at a different position. Like the, it actually works out to like, it raises your floor of points. Also though, if we were just saying like, Dar like oh we're just satisfied with 16 points from Darnold and that's all he can get that would be a different discussion it's like with Darnold what we're basically saying is if he gets you 15 16 17 points like it still probably helps your roster because of what you can do with that salary he can also get you 24 25 26 points so we're not like boxing ourselves into a player where we're like and that's what I always preach against doing is is like oh I'm just happy with 12 points from this 3k player, but that's all that he can do. Well, that doesn't actually help you that much. You still need that guy to be able to go for 20, 22, 25 points. And so that's what Darnold provides is like, yeah, we don't want him to get 15 or 16 points. We're not rostering him saying, hopefully he gets 15 or 16. Yeah. We're rostering him saying, hopefully he gets 24, 25 and he can. It's just recognizing that um, even if he gets on like the lower end of his range, it can still help you. Cause then maybe AJ Brown goes for 40 or maybe Jamar Chase goes for 38 and like this allowed you to pay up for him when you maybe couldn't with, with, you know, maybe Hertz goes for 27 Mahomes goes for 26. And it's like, well, isn't it better to take, you know, 16 from Darnold and 40 from this wide receiver than to take 26 from Mahomes and like 10 from a, a cheap wide receiver. So um, yeah, if he couldn't hit for ceiling, then it would be a different discussion, but he can, and I, I, you know, I like the idea. I think we'll see a lot of it since the Kittle projected ownership is low. Uh, I think we'll see a lot of Darnold plus CMC, but I think that's an interesting way to go because uh, 49ers like to kind of keep their quarterbacks under 30 pass attempts. So if Darnold isn't hitting for his big game, 
Uh, CMC is likelier to hit for his big game. And so that kind of balances itself out. Uh, also CMC, his two, two of his three best games with the 49ers came in games that Debo Samuel missed. Um, so that's another thing to, to keep in mind, right? Debo's going to be out. Uh, neither of these games were this year, but uh, last year he had a 34 pointer and a 40 pointer, which were his, his two best games last year with the 49ers, both in games Debo missed. Uh, in both of those games, Brock Purdy scored, well, it was Garoppolo in one, Purdy in the other, but the quarterback scored about 18 points. So, um, so yeah, I mean, it, it all fits well together to where if CMC is getting like 28 points and that increases the chances of Darnold getting 23, 24, 25. Uh, if CMC is getting 40 or something like that, you're still probably getting a nice score from uh, that quarterback position. And yeah, I mean, like, I, I think it's good that we're spending some time on this because it is a critical decision point on the slate because it's like it's such a good offense and it's such a plug and play offense for quarterbacks i mean look at look at jimmy garoppolo on the raiders now right with Devontae adams and you see what a quarterback can look like on a different offense than the 49ers uh compared to what they look like on that 49ers offense so yeah the um i mean i think that darnold just he makes a lot of sense and not to say that he like I'm not going to be 100% Sam Darnold. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. But I'll, I'll definitely have like my fair share of exposure there. Yeah. And, um, you know, just while we're on this, this whole topic, like picking players that don't necessarily correlate, obviously you want everything to somewhat correlate. Like you always find a way to do it with your roster building, but what are like good ways to look at games and figure out, okay, this quarterback may not get as many points like if the receivers blow up or if just one specific receiver blows up. So maybe I can just take the receiver off of this game and put it onto my roster and not expect this game to just hurt me if I didn't roster the quarterback. Yeah. The, what I'm typically looking for in those situations is concentrated offenses so offenses that or concentrated players or concentrated offenses. So concentrated offenses being like uh, Trevor Lawrence hasn't posted a single tournament useful score this year, but Christian Kirk has produced, I don't know, actually I've got Christian Kirk right here. Uh, Christian Kirk has produced, you know, a 25 pointer, a 20 pointer at this 5.9 K price tag. You take both of those scores. All the rest of his scores are like 13.9 and above, which are all satisfactory scores. Um, Calvin Ridley has posted a 23 pointer and a 27 pointer and yet Trevor Lawrence hasn't gotten there. Right. So this is a function of a team that, you know, Zay Jones has been out almost the whole season. And so it's like the targets are going to these two guys and Evan Ingram. And so it's possible for one of these guys to have seven catches for hundred yards and a touchdown. And Trevor Lawrence still ends up with only 240 passing yards. Um, Similar situation would be Justin Jefferson, where it's not so much about a concentrated offense as like a central piece of the offense. So uh, this year, Kirk Cousins started the season on this hot streak where he was putting up some 30 point scores. But last year, all season, Kirk Cousins was not tournament viable. And yet Justin Jefferson, you know, nine out of 17 weeks or eight out of 17 weeks, whatever it was, put up 30 plus points and was a guy that could have helped you win a tournament. So if you have a, a team where, either because of injuries or the way that they play, it's a concentrated offense. Um, Buccaneers are another one, right? We can see Mike Evans post a tournament winning score and Baker Mayfield isn't even at his cheap price tag. Isn't a guy you needed to have uh, on the flip side. If you have an offense that spreads the ball around a bunch 
and you're taking a, a pass catcher from that team, it's likelier that the quarterback is going to hit. Um, another thing to think about too, is like the salary that you're spending on, on the quarterback, right? Like can Tyree kill hit at nine K and Tua at eight K is still not like the quarterback that you had to have. Right. Whereas if Tua was 5,500, then you'd be like, well, if Tyree kills hitting at this massive price tag, then Tua is probably hitting at this cheap price tag. Uh, so yeah, there's a lot that goes into it, but, um, it's to me, it's, I guess the way I really look at it is whether or not I'm betting on an offense or an individual player. So like George Pickens, like I like George Pickens this week, um, George Pickens top, whatever it is, top 12 or 15 in yards per route run. Um, one of the most underpriced players based on pre-touchdown PPR points per game. And yet Kenny Pickett, I don't think he's top 235 passing yards in a game this year. Right. So it's like, I'm not betting on the Steelers offense. I'm not betting on, Kenny Pickett, I'm very specifically betting on George Pickens' role and talent in a game that I think that the Steelers could be trailing uh, the Jags. On the flip side, there might be a spot where it's like, I don't necessarily know which piece from this offense I like the most, but I know that I like the offense. I know that the offense is likely to score points, and so I want to just like take shots on various pieces on the offense, and that might include the quarterback. So, uh, yeah, every, every situation is kind of different, but those are some – like some breakdowns and steps that I follow in, in making these decisions. Okay, sweet. And yeah, I mean, obviously there are going to be pieces that you, that are more likely to score high like points each uh, week, you know, Kelsey, uh, AJ Brown, for example, uh, CMC, they are the more expensive guys. So like, this is why I wanted to talk about this because it does correlate with the Sam Darnold trying to pair him with somebody, some outlier, one singularity that uh, we get out onto the roster that doesn't necessarily correlate but would help us win a tournament. Yeah. Yeah. And that's kind of like Darnold becomes this key that unlocks the slate a little bit this week in that you can play Darnold and allow yourself, you know, that, that flexibility to, and I actually built, I built a, uh, I built a Desmond Ritter roster last night, Desmond Ritter, Drake London yeah. that had Jamar chase, uh, CMC and AJ Brown on it. So, that wasn't even with a Sam Darnold quarterback on, on that roster. Right. So like, there's a lot that I say that to say, there's a lot that you could do with Sam Darnold on a roster. There's a lot that you could unlock with Sam Darnold on a roster um, at the same time, right? Like Desmond Ritter, our boy coming in at sub 1% ownership projections and go ahead and um, pull up for anybody watching, pull up his game logs on the screen. Um, but, you know, this is a guy playing against a team that you can't really run the ball on. Teams tend to pass the ball against him. Teams tend to have success through the air against him. And Ritter, 16.8 last week, 22.1 the week before, 29.2 the week before. Uh, and then, you know, a couple down games and 22.4. So people are so scared of rostering a guy and catching his down game that they're ignoring a guy who, you know, 20-plus points three times this season, including a 29-pointer uh, 22 plus three times a season, including a 29 pointer. And then that seventh, you know, 16.8 pointer that doesn't kill you at his price tag. So we're sitting here talking about, you know, for only 800 less Sam Darnold. And we're like, yeah, yeah. Like we want him to get 24 points, but if he gets 15, 16, 17, you're happy. And like, there's going to be some quarterbacks just priced a little bit above him who people are just completely going to overlook this week. So um, I think that also opens up a lot in terms of strategy if everybody's on you know this guy like i said if sam darnold is the nuts and you have him it doesn't matter that he's 
15 percent owned because that's still not high ownership in a vacuum uh at the same time like that 15% ownership, that's all taking away opportunities for people to go to these other cheap quarterbacks. So, you know, last week I had, um, what did I have? I had 8% Tyrod Taylor and he had 20, I think it was like 21.7 points at no ownership and like 5,100. Now last week, who, who was it that hit for the, um, well, obviously Mahomes hit for like a monster game. Lamar hit for a monster game. Uh, so, you know, the fact that I got this cheap, almost 22 points at low ownership didn't actually end up helping me as well, as much as it would have on a different week. But let's say it was one of the weeks that we've had throughout the season where uh, Lamar scores 22, Mahomes scores 25, and then I'm paying way down and getting 22 points for 5,100 on a guy that like nobody has. So there, there's going to be these 5K quarterbacks that have a really solid game. And the fact that everybody's on Darnold is going to kind of take away ownership from these guys. So I think that also increases the uh like viability of these other guys like uh sam howell plus curtis samuel uh they've had a game this year where they kept you on a 255 point pace a game where they kept you on a 201 point pace uh mac jones and kendrick Bourne had a game this year uh versus philly week one 192 point pace uh week seven against buffalo 270 point pace Stroud and Nico Collins have had games that kept you on a 270 point pace and a 237 point pace. So like there are other ways to go. Oh, and then of course, uh, Ritter and Drake London three different times have kept you on a 200 point pace. So there are other ways to go than just Sam Darnold with cheap quarterbacks and, and all the attention is going to be sucked away from these other cheap quarterbacks. So I like that about this week too. I think that's an interesting thing to be thinking about as we build our rosters. Yeah. Um, it, it's definitely an interesting thing um, not to take away the fact that we still can um, play these these uh, expensive quarterbacks as well. Yeah, and we can still play these expensive quarterbacks as well. Like Mahomes, Hurts, Lamar, all very viable on this slate. Uh, obviously, you can make cases for other guys in here too, but those are the three that really really stand out to me. Um, you know, and, and there's certain things too where, again, it's Friday. Ownership projections change sometimes dramatically by the time we get into the weekend. Right now, Dak Prescott's projected to be one of the highest owned quarterbacks on a team that like desperately doesn't want to throw the ball. You know, he had um, that one zone read uh, RPO run last oh, yeah, week run. where on, on primetime, you know, everybody's watching the game. All of a sudden he scores 24.9 points, which is still just barely what you need at his price tag. And now people are like, man, we got to play Dak Prescott this week. So <laughs> um, Tyreek Hill coming in as the highest projected owned wide receiver. Obviously he could hit, but we looked at the list. Uh, I think we looked at the list yesterday of, um, of who the Patriots have faced. If you've missed, if you missed yesterday's, I'll go ahead. Let me see. Do I have that list handy? Um, all right. I don't, but yeah, I mean like the Patriots have played every big name quarterback and wide receiver this year and have not allowed a single tournament winning score, uh, you know, at the price tag. So like, there's, there's also things like that where it's like, there's going to be some edges this week in the ways that everybody else is approaching the slate and how we can approach it. That, um, kind of gives us some freedom to also say like, oh, but what if it's Ritter in London instead of Sam Darnold? Or what if it's Mac Jones and Kendrick Bourne? Uh, or, you know, what if it's one of these expensive, expensive quarterbacks? So, um, yeah, I kind of like the way that this slate is starting to shape up for sure. Yeah, um, actually, I, I found yeah. the list. So I'm going to read through this list real quickly. Um, okay, the Patriots have faced Jalen Hurts, Tua, Josh Allen, DeAndre Swift, Brees Hall, Tony Pollard. Alvin Kamara, Josh Jacobs, AJ Brown, Tyree Kill, CeeDee Lamb, Chris Olave, Devontae Adams, and Stefan Diggs. 
uh, not one of them has produced a score that, that you would have wanted at the price tags attached to these Dolphins players. So again, Dolphins are a different beast. Not to say that the Dolphins can't hit a uh, home game instead of, you know, Miami and New England have already played. Uh, New England's, you know, slowed down Tyreek and Tua from a, a fantasy production standpoint. This game's in Miami, so it could be a different story. Maybe Tyreek Hill hits, but, um, you know, just kind of look at these spots and you're like, okay, there are edges because um, people just aren't going to get as deep into the nuances of these matchups and these games as, as we might be getting. And they'll be on some spots alongside hefty ownership that they maybe shouldn't be on. Okay, sweet. So with all of that, it is about like 20 minutes left. So if you want to start building a roster, I am down. Yeah, let's start building a roster. And I kind of last night I was really in like a good groove and in the zone building rosters and had a lot of rosters where I started it with a, a stack that didn't actually end up like none of the pieces actually ended up on the roster on the final roster, but it just kind of like opened up my thoughts and allowed me to start asking questions and moving forward. So let's kind of pick a stack, but not necessarily tie ourselves down to finishing with that stack. Um, and we could even do like, we could start with Sam Darnold and Christian McCaffrey since we've talked about that, or we could go a different direction, but let's just kind of open our thoughts and see where this, where this leads. Yeah. Let's do a, uh, what about Sam Darnold and Kittle? Oh, I like that. I like that a lot. And I like it. Um, I like it because, again, if Kittle comes in low ownership, we know what Kittle has done in games without Debo dating back to 2021. It's like, you know, three games of 12-ish points and then like three monster games. So uh, if he gets 12-ish points, that's still perfectly fine. Let's see. It's uh, uh, 12.9, 12.1, 13.8. Those are his three down games. with like Those are his bad games with mm -hmm. Debo out of the lineup over the last three years. Uh, and then three games of 25.3, 33.0, and 42.1. So if Kittle gets you 12 to 13 points at his price tag, still fine. And if he gets you 25 to 42, you're so far ahead of the field. And um, anytime we can get Kittle with Debo off the field and low ownership, uh, that's a smash to me. Uh, also, so far, for whatever it's worth, uh, Kittle and Christian McCaffrey have not hit together in games that – uh, Debo missed. So both of those big CMC games that I mentioned earlier were both games where Kittle had like 12 points, right? So um, not say that they can't hit, but that kind of gives us some some information in terms of how likely it is. It hasn't happened yet in a six game or five game sample size with without Debo and these two on the field together. So um, yeah, I kind of like that. So we're kind of helping each other. They're kind of helping each other out there where we're saying like uh, CMC is not going to get as many points. Uh, Sam Darnold's going to get a little bit more points, maybe giving Kittle a touchdown or two along with um, a decent amount of passing yards. Yep. Yep. And so ideally CMC, you know, he's not going to bomb, but ideally he has like his 25 pointer. Right. Um, and, and Kittle is getting those points that he's not getting. So we help our roster as we're hurting uh, other people's rosters, which is always what we want to be looking for opportunities to do. Uh, exactly. makes Kittle that much more powerful. Um, so I kind of want to try something just because it like it, this is just a fun little roster build. And um, I want to try what the uh, Millie maker did last week with the double tight end. Okay, cool, cool. Let's do it. So get Kelsey in there. So, okay. Well, here's something that you said though. I think every single week, like you've, you've used the Mahomes Kelsey stack. So you always say you don't play Kelsey without Mahomes. Is that, is Kelsey still a viable option in other rosters without Mahomes? So here's the deal. I don't play Kelsey 
Well, if I play Kelsey, I play Mahomes because Kelsey can hit like a 20 pointer and that doesn't mean Mahomes is having a, a big game, obviously. But every time it's like over 90% of the time that Kelsey has a tournament winning score, Mahomes is also posting a tournament winning score. So the thought process is if you are getting this second spot, correct. Think about if you're doing a parlay, right. And it's like, you're going to get the second bet, right. 90% of the time. Well, you would just put it on there every time, right? Because like now you've turned the math in your favor. So the thought process is if Kelsey hits for the tournament winning game, which once you're putting him on a roster, you're placing a bet on that roster that he will, well, then you're getting the Mahomes spot right. So why would you not take advantage of that, that free correct spot? Uh, this becomes kind of a unique situation in that we have such, it's not like we're, we've got a 6K quarterback or like, hurts like a hurts roster with kelsey um where you're paying the same price as mahomes it's like yeah sure hurts could also hit but why not just take the free square that you're getting if, if you get kelsey right this one with darnold all the way down at 4300 it's like okay this is such a different salary structure right that yeah mahomes could get 32 but darnold could get 22 and that's actually more valuable because of the salary that you save so this would be one of the rare instances where i don't mind it um also, in terms of just in terms of how we think about double tight end rosters, ideally we want to do it when the guys can have the raw score that makes them worth playing. So we saw it last week with Mark Andrews being one of the highest scoring guys in the 5K price range, and and Travis Kelsey being the highest scoring player on the slate or one of the highest scoring players on the slate. So similar situation here, right? Where Kittle, we've seen it. We just looked through the game logs. Like he can score 25. He can score 33. He can score 42 in this type of setup. And Kelsey obviously can score 30 plus points. So uh, this because the sort of rare actually makes sense, double tight end type build. Uh, so yeah, go ahead and throw Kelsey on here. Uh, not necessary to have uh, Patrick Mahomes because we're paying so far down at quarterback. That it's not like we're, we're, um, yes, we would be getting the Mahomes bet correct, but we're saving 4K in salary, and um, that matters as well. Okay, awesome. Um, it just kind of auto brought me to the defense, so might as well get that. Let's let's take care of it. Let's knock it out. <laughs> um, man, what did the Patriots do last week? Because you 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 said the Patriots every every week. Um, no, and last week I just said I'm not allowed to play the Patriots you're anymore. Not allowed to play. Um, <laughs> so we put them on a practice bill. So it's just I could do it here. Uh, no, I'm not playing the Patriots against the Dolphins on the road. I think that the um, the Bengals are interesting, but not on this roster because we've got Sam Darnold and George Kittle. Right. Uh, I think that the cheapest interesting defense after that is the Vikings. But there are a few interesting options. The Vikings are interesting. You know, Vikings much better defense than. People realize 14th in DVOA against the pass, 12th against the run. Uh, they get pressure. Jordan Love has been making a lot of mistakes. So uh, they're capable of putting up a, a big DST score. Uh, Jags obviously have put up a lot of like eight to what, eight to 12, eight to 15 point scores, uh, taking on Kenny Pickett, who, you know, doesn't throw the ball a ton, but uh, is prone to mistakes when he is, you know, dropping back and pulling the trigger. So uh, Jags, another one that's interesting. And uh, then there's some interesting expensive options as well. But yeah, I mean, I think if we're going to go like the Eagles are interesting and then the Ravens are just going totally overlooked. Ravens either playing Josh Dobbs or playing Kyler Murray in his first game back uh, without, you know, practice time with these receivers. So um, yeah, there's a lot of different places we could go at defense. Nothing really stands out way above the pack, but if we want to just get a sense of salary, we, there's multiple like sub 3k options we can choose from. Yeah. Um, 
I'm cool with, you know, just dropping down and getting the Vikings. Uh, I think right. a lot of people tend to grab the cheapest. Cool. Uh, best defense. <laughs> so, um, Vikings, this we we don't necessarily have to do this on this roster because salary, we're not we're not tight on salary. Uh, interesting note, Brandon Powell, uh, four to six targets in all of these games since Justin Jefferson's been out and is also the punt returner for the Vikings. So on the off chance that Brandon Powell were to return a punt for a touchdown, uh, he actually pairs nicely with the Vikings defense because you'd get the touchdown individually from Powell and then also on the Vikings defense. So it's the same as um, – as like a quarterback throwing a, you know, having the quarterback and the wide receiver on a team where you get the double point for the touchdown, you would get the double point for the touchdown on Brandon Powell. And he is one of like the sharper salary savers as well. So any place where I'm playing the Vikings defense, um, like I'll probably force in the bank machine force, like, you know, 20% of my Vikings defense rosters have Brandon Powell on them just in case uh, those end up syncing up together. Yeah. Sweet. Okay. That's a good little side note to have. Little little nugget there. Um, all right, we want to go to running back next or wide receiver next? Uh, I kind of want to just get like one running back and then we'll go and grab like two, one or two wide receivers. Okay, cool. Uh, anything you're eyeing this week at running back or any questions? I, you, have? I, you know, you mentioned yesterday Pacheco and I actually really liked him um, a lot. I kind of want to put him on this roster, but I don't know if that will hurt us because this isn't a Chiefs base roster yeah so uh chances of i guess we you know we want to always demystify things so the question would be can kelsey again once kelsey's especially on a double tight end build we need him to have a monster raw score we can't just be like oh he put up 25 which is good for a tight end we need him to like we're paying 8400 for him which means we're not paying 8100 for jamar chase we're not paying 8K for AJ Brown. So we need Kelsey to actually outscore those guys. And then obviously there's the added value of like, this is a unique roster construction. So most people who have Kelsey won't have Kittle. So if they both hit, um, you know, we're, we're well ahead of the field. That's also, you know, something we take into consideration here. But um, yeah, I would say it would be hard for Kelsey to have a 35 plus point game and Pacheco to put up like a 25 point game because Pacheco is going to be somewhat touchdown dependent for that. And Kelsey's going to need at least one touchdown and ideally two touchdowns, but then that's taking away opportunities for Pacheco to score touchdowns. So I wouldn't be totally against it, but I wouldn't, um, I would try to avoid it basically. Uh, yeah, yeah. How, I would, how I would say that. Sweet. Um, then let's just not play him on this roster. I, if we can um, go up to Kamara, I'd like to do that. But, All right. Yeah. Let's throw them in there. Uh, we can try and do something else. Cool. Yeah. And also, uh, again, like at this point, we're kind of either committing to mid-range players across the board from, from here on, which is totally viable because there's Calvin Ridley, there's Drake London, there's Terry McLaurin, there's Christian Kirk, there's um, T Higgins. There's so many guys uh, in this mid-range. Uh, or we could... Uh, and, and then like Damian Pierce is viable at running back from Andre Stevenson viable at running back. Uh, or we could go with like a cheap wide receiver and try to fit in one more high priced guy, either at wide receiver or at running back. Um, we probably want a Bengals bring back on this roster um, because we want to bet on the Bengals keeping this game close so that Darnold's having to continue to pass the ball. Uh, so basically we could either commit to, T Higgins and go with this sort of mid range type roster, or we could commit to Jamar chase and then find a salary saver down low. And either way is viable on this, on this roster. Yeah. Sweet. Uh, I'm cool with just throwing T Higgins in there just because of the, uh, what we've talked about 
so far. Yeah, and I, what, what I like about this now is Kelsey's going to be somewhat popular. Darnold's going to be popular, but Kittle won't be that popular. T Higgins won't be popular. So when you talk about like how we're betting on this game environment with Darnold, Kittle, T Higgins, you have a really unique setup with a ton of upside where Higgins we know can score. He's had a 28.9 pointer already this year. Mm -hmm. Higgins can score 25 to 30 points. Kittle can score 30 plus. And all of a sudden we've got this really low owned block of points that we're getting. And that offsets the fact that yeah, Camaro is popular. Uh, Kelsey's going to be somewhat popular, but that's all offset by the fact that we have this really low owned block here. Um, and still again, like a lot of salary to work with. And we can even, you know, even with that still go down to like a cheap wide receiver and try to fit in an AJ Brown or something like that. Um, or we could just say like, let's go mid range across board. Actually go, go ahead and throw in, um, Brandon Powell or uh, even Noah Gray, who's going to be, he should see as many targets as Nico Collins and Tank Dell. He's 3K in salary. Um, just so we kind of see, oh, sorry, not Noah Gray, um, Noah Brown. Um, uh, I did actually look at Noah Gray last night. Though. <laughs> I was like, who knows? Um, so yeah, you know, Noah Brown started over Tank Dell week one, uh, came back last week. Tank Dell was still out, saw five targets. Uh, Robert Woods is going to be out this week. And so uh, Noah Brown will be on the field and should see anywhere from four to six targets, which is what I have Tank Dell and Nico Collins penciled in for as well. Uh, so Noah Brown, Brandon Powell, uh, those are some interesting like pay all the way down options. So we could actually get, um, we could actually get AJ Brown on this roster, and then we would just be we would be like 100 shy of Damian Pierce. We would be 200 shy of Ramondre Stevenson. Um, but you can move around your defense piece in order to make it happen. Um, or we could scrap the uh, the pay down approach and then just kind of go mid-range across the board. Yeah, let's I want to try to grab Damian Pierce. I was looking at Damian Pierce earlier, so um... cool. Throw Damian Pierce on here, and then we just have to figure out, yeah, where we can where we can save that extra 100 at um, on this roster, which we really can't, you know, we can't go cheaper than Noah Brown. Um, we can't go cheaper than AJ Brown while still getting the ceiling. Well, Kelsey and, and uh, Kelsey and Kittle are part of our core thesis on this. Um, we'd like to keep Camara. So uh, yeah. Why don't we. Man. Yeah. This is not, uh, <laughs> none of these look very. Enticing. No, no. You know, it's it, interestingly the um, you know, the Ravens have had some games on offense where, they've made mistakes and uh, Cardinals could potentially capitalize on that. Um, commanders, you know, they've got the Cardinals have this one negative point score, but the rest of them, you know, kind of this five to five, four to five point range and then a couple of nice games. Um, the commanders aren't bad against the Eagles. Uh, I would probably prefer Arizona at home over the commanders at home. Yeah. Uh, the Rams honestly could do fine against Dak Prescott and that's leverage off of um, what we have. And then the other option is, you know, we could go down from Camara and, and get like a better defense, but I honestly, I don't mind. I don't mind just doing this and seeing kind of letting the chips fall. Right. Because the Cardinals and just, Hoping for the best. Driving the Cardinals and hoping for the best. Um, because, yeah, and then we can, I, I would actually move off of Noah Brown on this one up to Brandon Powell just because uh, we've got Noah Brown and Damian Pierce. It'll make a little bit more sense to, um, since we'll have the salary to get up to Brandon Powell, who, uh, again, can score from anywhere on the field. We like that in a, in a cheap guy and should see four to six targets. 
Um, but you kind of see what like a what a Sam Darnold roster can open up, right? Because Kamara can score 30, Higgins can score 30, AJ Brown can score 30, Kittle can score 30, Kelsey can score 30. Uh, and Damian Pierce, realistically, you know, the only scary point there is uh well, we, we've got four minutes. So the Texans run this outside zone run scheme. Again, same like those Shanahan concepts. And it's a very different run scheme than the Texans ran last year. So the big issue with the Texans has been the run blocking hasn't been great because it's all new concepts for this offensive line to learn. And then Damian Pierce hasn't the outside zone run scheme or the zone zone run scheme. A lot of times the Mike Shanahan offenses over the years would have these, like you'd plug in a random running back that no one had heard of. And he would have a monster season because it's this, you got to read the offensive line, make one cut and go. Uh, Damian Pierce, like he hasn't developed that knack just yet, but they they're coming off the bye week, right? So there's a chance that they have figured out this offensive line that Damian Pierce is going to get in a groove here, and all of a sudden start having big games. So the really only scary data point with Damian Pierce is that Devin Singletary had his first like large snap share last week, but I think that's more likely not last week, two weeks ago, their last game, but uh, I think that's more likely to to have been game plan specific than like a true changing of the guard at running back. Uh, so yeah, Damian Pierce is going to be low owned because people don't know what to do playing the worst run defense in the NFL. Obviously we have the salary on this to go up to Ramondre Stevenson if you wanted instead, but uh, I think Damian Pierce is a very interesting play. And yeah, I mean, it's just, this is, this shows you what a Darnold roster can open up. Like I said, I had a, a Ritter roster that was actually kind of like similar in terms of how much upside I was able, able to pile on, but um yeah, these pay down quarterback options this, this week are somewhat interesting. Yeah, it's super cool. Whereas everybody else is going to be looking at those those uh, big games with the, the high paying quarterbacks. Yep. Yep. Um, all right. Any final thoughts before we get out of here? Nope. Cool. Uh, Keegan, thanks for hanging out. Uh, listeners, as always, these rosters are, uh, as Pete would say, a thought exercise. Uh, they're intended to help us get a feel for the slate and also uh, talk about how we put together rosters. Um, so consider this a, a roster we built on Friday, not something authoritative that you should go out there and use, nor are you supposed to go out there and use it. Uh, <laughs> but with that, we will, uh, let's see, we got plenty of content on OWS throughout the week. If you're not a subscriber, there's plenty of free content on OWS, all the games broken down. Uh, as I mentioned in the Thursday show this week, uh, go to the one week season podcast feed on your podcast player and check out the NFL edge. It's every game broken down from top to bottom. That's free. Play it on two X speed. Get a sense of all these teams, coaches, players, matchups heading into the weekend. Uh, with that, we will see you on OWS throughout the weekend, and we will see you at the top of the leaderboards on Sunday. 